Hello. Hey, Marilyn. How are you doing today? I'm great, Dan. How are you? How was your call? The call was good. You know, there's a lot mm. of them. A lot of them. There's so many. I I don't even know. You know, Why which, so many calls. You got your 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 chock a block, cheek to jowl, ass to elbow with calls. It yeah. needs to stop. I know. No, I know. Yeah. Can you consolidate them? Nope. I mean, reg- without regard. Well, nope. have you proposed that? Mm, no. Consolidate and make one long call. One long cacophonous call. Hi. Hey. I'm cacophonous. Hi. I'm cacophonous call. Hi. Well, um, let's get this out of the way. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh Tell boy. me about it. The Bang Bang Machine is back. Now, the good news is... Uh-huh. That's probably not picking up, but... Um, yeah, the Bang Bang Machine is back, but the good news is it's only going to be here in some form or fashion for... Let me just check my notes. Uh, two, two years. <clears throat> two, two years. They're replacing... <laughs> Replacing the tracks for the streetcar. Oh, the streetcar. I yeah. think it's kind of cool to have a streetcar. Like, it's kind of like a low key flex type situation there, isn't it? Yes. I mean, yes. Shaka bra. Um, relevant terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Mm. It's real ironical. Also, I want to hear about boiling water in Austin. Oh yeah, we, I can tell you all. About you're gonna the no, don't worry about that. I know you got a hard out. You got a hard something. Here's what I know. <laughs> that you, you know what? Just <laughs> calm down. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> what has happened to the show, Merlin? That's what I. What would happened like to the show is there's going to be two years, and, and you know it's real ironical, if I could say. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's ironical. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, uh, COVID came along a couple years back, and um, I, I, in my in my opinion, one of the great things about this neighborhood of ours is, as 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 previously, I think I might have mentioned once or twice, there's a streetcar that goes by where my office is located. Yeah. No, it's not the little rice cerrone toy. It's an actual. It's an actual big boy Italian streetcar. That's a no good bus. And um, I've always felt since I moved here in uh, November of 1999, mm. I've always felt like one of the the greatest things about this is that you know our our dumb little city. Uh, has the elements of being a cool metropolitan city, um, but it also has things like neighborhoods like mine, which is called the Outer Sunset, and uh, you know it's bedroom community. But there are five streetcar lines that go from around town, and then all meet up and kind of go through the center of town, and it's the best because you know, let's just say I do not have to walk very far to step onto a streetcar that uh, takes you downtown, right? But, you know, blah, blah, something, something. There's been a plan for a long time for improvements, blah, blah. COVID comes along. The streetcar is not run in about two years, I, which is going to sound crazy. It's, it's been replaced by a bus, a very undignified bus. So, Dan, can I just wrap this by saying what's a little uh, – did I just say crap? Can I crap this by saying <laughs> here's what makes it especially ironical to me? So, for years I've benefited – I was going to say silently, which would actually be the exact opposite of what I mean to say. I've benefited from the streetcar for years and years and years. You know, lived here for 20, lived here for uh, 22 years, had this office for over 10 years. And I've, it's nice. It's kind of colorful when the little rice roni toy goes by. Um, But here's the, here's the thing is they don't run it as a streetcar line anymore, but they're still going to replace the track. But what, doesn't that mean that they're going to be bringing it back? I mean, isn't eventually, that the safe yeah, assumption eventually. to 
Yeah, I mean, the last, the last estimate I heard originally was 2023. I don't read the trades. But anyway, um, we'll figure something. <laughs> we'll figure it. something out with this. But I, I got. Uh, I walked into my private office this morning, and I was like, "Huh, that seems even louder than a couple weeks ago with the original Bang Bang Machine." And I went outside, and it's a big caterpillar, like uh, you know, uh, sort of like they did uh, with the tanks on D-Day in World War II. It's been uh, they kind of mix them up on these, and this one's now got a Bang Bang Machine on the front. It, it looks it looks like if um, like a Bogus Bunsen bean type thing, you know, one fat, one tall, one lean. Yeah, those horrible crooks so different in looks, but nonetheless equally mean. Would you like me to hear me do the entire film? I don't know if we have time. I can I can recite the entire film, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Would you like to hear it? Uh, I mean, maybe in the after show we'll do that. Okay, we open Indian paintbrush. Don't 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 don't. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. <clears throat> do you want to take the? Uh, <laughs> do you want to take the shortcut of the scenic route? It looks skittish. Have you ever seen the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yes, a couple times. It's one of my favorite movies. I know you used to talk about it on on this program quite a bit. We watched it. We watched it uh, over the weekend. Um. So that's where I Does am. Does it still hold and, up, Marlon? Oh, it holds up. Don't yeah. worry about that. It's a load bearing yeah. movie. Title. Yeah, it's very gentle now. Now, I also have been watching a lot of World War II things. So now to me, to so a veteran, I consider myself a kind of veteran because of how many World War II films I've seen. Yeah, give me an example yeah. of, of the oh, top Oh, boy, top that really, you top hear three. that out there? Oh, I don't know. But that, that banging out there, boy, to me. That we can't hear it here. Oh, oh. Maybe I'm imagining it. Uh, things Wouldn't that be crazy already? if you were just imagining like hey, it's ongoing not crazy, construction? Man. It's not crazy. I did not watch my friends die face down in the mud. In the muck. In the muck. V.I. Lennon. I watched it again. Um, I had to watch it again. Yep, I watched it recently too. Um, hey, you know what papers. I can't believe I, I hadn't watched is uh, Inherent Vice, which I finally started watching yesterday. And uh, was while, of course, is that the show where in the intro he has the sunglasses? He whips off mm -hmm. the sunglasses every time. Yeah, and Jan Hammer with uh, Phil Collins plays a drug dealer. Yeah, that's funny. And Colombo is like one more thing. Colombo's a, a sausage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he guy. discovered America. <laughs> America Vespucci. <laughs> so anyway, uh, in less racist uh, news, yeah. That's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, what have I watched lately? Oh, last night I watched most of um, uh, a film Roderick told me about, which I didn't, hadn't known about, which is because uh, I got really interested in Stalingrad, the siege of Stalingrad. It was a really good, there's that show on Netflix you've probably uh, flipped past, if you're like me, which is World War II in color. And it's actually pretty good. And they do a really good one. I did not know the whole story of the siege of Stalingrad. I knew, I knew of the whole failed Nazi attack on the Soviet Union, but woof. So I watched a movie starring Jude Law and, uh, and, and uh, jo jo Joseph Fine. Now, if your brother's name looks like Ralph and it said Rafe, shouldn't your name be silly too? Shouldn't he be Joff Fines or something or Joss? I feel like you Juice. go weird with one of them and then you keep the others normal like Frank. To Bill. balance it? To balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, uh, what did it worse so simple? Um, speaking of Ray Fines, um, the thing I was going to say is we got, you got a hard out. So we, we got to, we got to, uh, beat feet here. Oh yeah. So anyway, the other things I've watched, B Banner Brothers, you can't go wrong with Banner Brothers. Really, really quite good. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very upsetting, but it's good. And, and the cast, wow. What a, uh, 
What a, what a rogues gallery they got in that. Is, you're two, you're 2001, this comes out. Tom Hardy, as I said on the internet, looks about 12. Yeah, he does look very young in that. He's very, I forgot he was in it. Um, he was Michael so Fassbender, young. very young. Oh, well, I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. But Fassbender is in it, very early Fassbender role. How old is he? Uh, in I don't know, but he does look young. Uh, and who else is in it? Oh, uh, 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 Simon Pegg from like around the time of Spaced, probably, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the actor my wife and I call Ron Jeremy, although that is not his name. It's the guy, Ron Livingston is the guy that was in Office Space. Ron Jeremy is problematic. Um, I think they call him the Warthog. Mm. Hog. Hey, listen, they're letting up for a minute, huh? Anyway, the point is they called it, you know, Operation Overlord. And you know there was you got uh, you got Omaha Beach, Utah Beach, Gold Beach. You mm-hmm. go in, many lives lost. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw this randomly. We're not time for this. I, do you have to really boil water, or is that just some places? Well, you know, it it's, has nothing to do with the snow and stuff that we had here. It was some kind of human error. But what's really dumb about it? In <laughs> they love to keep you guessing, don't you know, they? Everything Jesus. that happens when it comes to the water in Austin, there are these really strict regulations that say if there's any even possible indication that maybe like one of the things that clears the water like didn't work correctly oh abundance of caution that they they have regulations essentially laws in place that say if this happens even if there was no contamination uh, that's what i'm saying that's it's like the epa they're required they're required to abundance of caution it's your job to be careful not exactly right that's right and the Mm -hmm. the the issue with this is that the the dude that runs the thing the water thing he comes out and says on the news in the press conference, he's like, this was an internal incident. There's no chance that there anything was contamination and there was none. There was no contamination. However, regulations are regulations. So guess what? Y'all are going to have to boil water for about four or five days. Oh, God. And he I, literally that's, that's said it just situation. like that on the press conference. Yeah. Like, you know, because because yeah. if there's, you know, one immune compromised person and I'm sure there's more than one. But if there was one who mm-hmm. drank the water and got sick from it. Then it's the they're you know they're going to sue for a hundred million dollars and win, so these guys have to protect from being sued. Basically, that's what this is for. So, uh, but you yeah, know it's what? A lot, it's a lot like Hitler, though. Where like if you oh. you know you, we, uh, well you try to give people the best information, but sometimes they don't want to hear it. I think it's tough to be an administrator, even at the level of a, of an Austin. Mm. That's you got, but uh, but I, I feel you. That's a lot of days to boil water. I'm not. Do, just, I mean, I'm not doing it. You could choose to have it. dirty children. I'm not doing you're not, it. Oh, you're not doing it. Okay. No, I'm not doing it. Okay. Good for you. It's not necessary. Um, it's unnecessary. No, it's not an abundance of caution. Um, last week, I think, or possibly the week before, I felt like I reached out to you because I sensed your lack of interest in task paper. No, you did. You sensed wrong. Your sense sucks. Are you done? Yeah. I um I reached out to you because I could sense. <laughs> I'll just I'll just wait here until the bang bang machine comes yeah, back. Yeah. Return of Bang Bang. Huh. That's like your new uh, mantra. I'm just gonna stay here until the banging comes back. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me. Mm-hmm. I forgot my mantra. That's what Jeff Goldblum says. Mm. <laughs> Again, Annie Hall. Um so uh, you're not gonna boil your water, abundance of caution. I took I took something off your plate, Dan. Oh yeah? Yes. I, I uh, you know, uh, exit pursued by a task paper. I took this out of here and put it over there so you wouldn't have to be bothered by it. Now, in a second, historic, second, uh, ironical feature of the week, and that's not a word, 
uh, is, is that now um, it sounds like you've been uh, dipping a toe in, into that filthy, filthy Austin water to try out task paper, and we could talk about that. I also have a couple other little things in passing I just wanted to mention. I know you have a hard out <laughs> because of your prescription, <laughs> and um, that's the name of that tune. How, you know what? Let's do, how about, can I, can I propose something to you? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Uh-huh. You're very bellicose today. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. It's probably that water, but, but it's a caution. Yeah, it's a caution. Uh, here's what I propose to you, young Daniel. Uh-huh. Daniel Son, I'm going to call you. Uh-huh. He's definitely not racist. Uh-huh. Uh, it's more ableist, really. Um, you know, or, or canist, depending on your feelings about the Garden of Eden. Give it a minute. Um, that's yeah, pretty good if you think about it, but don't. Don't think about it. Abundance of caution. What I'm saying to you is, here's my, my proposal to you, um, uh, Daniel, uh, Dan Benjamin. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I want to mention a, a, a short, quick thing that I want to toss out just for uh, future conversational consideration because I really liked it. Um, I would like to entertain anything you have to say about task paper, and I would like to hear about one and literally only one thing that you like. And you can do any of those in any order, or you can command, suggest, cajole, reschedule diary or calendar those events thereunto uh, to all par- parties undersigned. Abundance of caution. Would you like to do the task paper thing first? No. Okay. Because I would. Any of the, okay, any of the other ones would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it really short? Is it short? No, no, my, mine's trivial, so I just want to mention it. Can I do that? Yeah, How do, about your, this? do your thing. Do your... Okay, let's start over. I want to mention this thing I heard this week. Then I think you should tell me about something you like, okay. and then we'll do whatever you want within reason. I mean, it is your birthday. Within reason for the rest of the program, because okay. you have a, as you say, hard out. Right. Um, I just have to be here for the bang bang machine. I hope I haven't done anything to annoy them, because now I'm afraid they're going to exact revenge. You know, that's how those hard hats are. See, now that was ableist. They don't choose for their hat to be hard. I'm just as God made me, sir. I listen to a podcast, just one, every week, and it's um, Slate Political Gab Fest. And <laughs> yesterday my kids said, how many Gab Fests are there? Is, are they all Gab Fests? And I'm like, well, that's their cute, like, you know, fun dad name for their topical podcasts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Slate's got Political Gab Fest, Cultural Gab Fest, probably other ones. June Thomas, uh, shout out to June Thomas. Big fan, big fan. Um but I'm, I enjoy that one. And as a member of Slate, I, uh, I, I benefit. <laughs> I have benefits as a member. I have a heart out at Slate. And uh, that means that, uh, that uh, so you get the, the three topics, you get the cocktail chatter, and then if you're a member, uh, I, I, you get the uh, little after segment. Now, what I'm going to tell you is going to be really annoying because it's in the segment that was, was just for subscribers. But I'm going to mention it anyway because it was a thought technology that I thought was really interesting. Okay. So let's see who's on there. It's uh, it's David Plotz, uh, Dana Stevens, and uh, John Dickerson, right? I think that's it. And uh, they do this really fun thing uh, called the Conundrum episode. Oh, highly recommended. Uh, once a year, they they answer like those, you know, would you rather have flight or invisibility type questions. Yeah. Um, they're really good. People send those in and they answer them. And it's very thought provoking. And John Dickerson is on there, who's, you know, one of the, one of the easily one of the best. Um, they were talking about a question from a young person. Like a child? This is somewhat, yes. It, basically, it's a big baby. Ugh. They received a question from a large baby. 
and was scrawled on the side of a nub-nub. I don't know what a nub-nub is or how a baby would ob- obtain the instrument necessary to write upon it, but uh-huh. a nub-nub was received okay. with a conundrum thereunto. Abundance of caution. Excuse me. Ah-ha! So here well, it was kind of a leftover conundrum, but a good one. And the, the, it was a, from a young person, a baby, if you like, saying, you know, I'm... I'm it's like a lot of people my age, I'm hustling really hard to like, you know, get my career happening. And I'm, but I'm really, anyway, long story short, really struggling with work life balance. Yeah, you know, the kind of things we used to talk about when we, when we when had we a, used gap to do fest, a podcast together. The productivity gap fest, yes, you called yes. it. Uh, you should write that down. That's pretty good. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm being silly this morning, but I, they said something that I thought was really thought provoking. And, and you know how I get about these things where, I don't know. On the one hand, I, I, it's, it's easy enough for somebody like me to be uh, amazed or uh, buoyed when I find out a name for something I didn't know existed. Or, no, put it this way, a name for something that I didn't know had a name. And it's almost as good as when you learn about the existence of something you didn't know existed. Right? Like that, like that episode of That Girl where Donald uh, Hollinger first hears the word baguette and then he starts hearing it over and over. Uh, uh, something that later on would be called Bader-Meinhof syndrome. So what I'm saying here is they're talking about a young person who's already trying to get in front of things by saying, you know, what if you if you went back in your career and life, you know, what are the kinds of things, are, are there decisions that you would have made differently in order to help begin a practice of work-life balance? You know, and really the, the, the interesting part about a question like that we asked that to somebody my age, and you know you're supposed to go, oh, I should have made more time for my precious angels. But the truth is, it could go either way, and it changes, right? I mean, weren't there times in your life where you're like, oh, my God, if I tried just a little bit harder, I could have gotten that thing? Yeah. Or if I pumped the brakes just a little bit, I could have saved my marriage? That kind of thing? Like, I sure have, where I've gone like, you know, really, it is tough. And even in retrospect, there are very few easy or simple answers, right? Kind of, kind of a, it's a pretty toothy grown-up problem to think about is like, you know, if you were going to advise somebody, including yourself, like what would you, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that kind of an interesting topic? Yeah, I think it's very interesting because it touches on a number of the kind of topics that we've talked about in the past, even touches into the whole regret thing, the impossibility of changing the past, dwelling in the past, anxiety created from that. Yeah, it's yeah, all connected. In fact, you can't separate those things. You we were watching the trailer. We were watching the trailer for that Adam Scott uh, what's called Severance uh, mm-hmm. on Apple TV. Um, my lady said we should watch this trailer. I've heard this looks good. Um, and, you know, basically it appears to be an Apple TV show plus TV plus show where they can sever your, they can basically like sequester your memories of your work from your memories of your life and keep them sequestered. And, you know, that don't exist. I think, you know, one of the numerous, and this one's probably not even really in the top five of getting things done, but to me, one of the great things of getting things done was saying, like, you know, when um, when David Allen starts off that six-CD, two-day seminar, he says the beginning of the first chapter of Family Services, your whole life is important, which, again, sometimes it takes somebody coming along and giving something a name or giving or saying that something exists to go, and you're like, oh, of course that exists. So... They were talking about all these things, and it was a really good conversation. I'm going to probably go back and listen. I just want to toss this out because I thought this was thought-provoking, although you, well, one may consider this obvious. David Plotz in particular, he's the guy, the Atlas Obscura guy. He's also the <laughs> political gab fest guy. Was talking about, um, 
you know, how he feels like he's gotten better about it over time or whatever. But he also said something shockingly candid that I, I imagine is considered quite impolitic today, mm-hmm. which, and I, I'm not saying I, he agrees with this or I agree with this, but I think it is thought provoking. Remember when you were younger, how you really get pushed around and taken advantage of often by yeah, older. Don't know anything. Well, yeah, but it, where it almost feels it's beyond hazing. It was really just more like, if you got a job here, you need to doubt yourself and work harder than everybody else. And guess who's going to benefit in this instance, who's going to benefit from all your surplus labor. Yeah, sure. Your, your owners, but also your older coworkers. Right. So like when I would see the kids, the people who go like pick up their kid while I was still going to be there for another five hours and mm-hmm. I'd be like, must be nice. Right. <laughs> I would do it like that. <laughs> do it like that. I go, must be nice. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and what would you change about that? Well, he's just saying, you know, like here's the, here's the, here's the true fact, at least of his time and my time is that when you're younger, you're going to be treated really badly by lots of people. But so like, and he's saying in this instance, like, okay, he became a very managerial type, even as everybody around him, especially those younger than him, have gotten better at being practitioners, maybe than he ever was. Mm. What David Plotz does have going for him, he says, and I think this is sensible, is the experience, right? Now we're back to expertise. Talk about greatest hits where, you know, we've got how many times we talked about this, this whole idea of like, you've, you've solved or failed to solve a problem in a given domain so many times that you get a pretty good gut sense pretty quickly which problem this is and how we solved or didn't solve it in the past. You know what I mean? That's expertise. Sure. But how do you gain that expertise? By being, and again, please don't email me, but like a lot of it came out of the injustice of youth title. The injustice of youth in which you were pushed around and made to do all the work while somebody goes and picks up their kids. And I'm not saying that's fair or otherwise, but that was thought-provoking to me. Because on the one hand, you know, and this is a classic conundrum, would you, like, you know, we try to, at least I, try to, maybe to a fault, prevent my kid from having to be in, in difficult or painful or potentially dangerous situations. And I often wonder, should I be tossing that kid into the deep end or am I doing too much? Because... There is a certain kind of kind of crucible, series of crucibles in youth that harden us through difficult things, whether that's cutting trail or working at McDonald's on the day of Live Aid or whatever. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I would I'd recommend this to people. Finally, um, if you especially you should join Slate. It's really cheap. Um, the final bit of this though that I wrote down, I want to get your if, if I can your thoughts on this. Sure. David Plotz was then specifically answering. The way he was framing it was, if you want to ever have anything like life-work balance, work-life balance, um, find yourself getting better at work that is, let me write this down, I wrote it down right here, work that is outcome-based rather than time-based. Well, see, that's the dream for everybody. But see, that sounds, it's so obvious and so true, but I never heard it put that way. Because, of course, my entire adult life has been about trying to not have to work long, hard hours, mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, you want but in again, other words, like, you want the reward to come from the end result and not how you got there. And I think for people who are in creative the, the, fields, the, well, or or more saliently, the way that you are rewarded. If the way that uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying like the reward. Like, mm-hmm. do you get a houseboat? I don't know. But the right, way right, you are right. rewarded is we don't even talk about how good a job you did until I know your ass has guaranteed 101 percent been in that seat at least 41 hours. Well, you know, we used to talk, especially back in my quit show days, I used to talk about the whole concept of the corporate stooge and how people are there to monitor you. And, you know, you thinking back to the, you know, from how many years you and I, and probably a lot of people uh, pre-COVID, you know, you're required to go into an office and, and I'll quote my old boss who, you know, could have been a brother to the boss in office space. It was that, it was just like that. And he used to say oh, Bill proudly, Lumberg. Yeah, Lumberg. <laughs> he used to say proudly, if I can't see you, you're not working. And he literally meant that. He would come out of his office yeah. and he would peer out over the cubes, look around where. See if there's any heads he said, missing. Oh, <laughs> hey, where are you? And it was almost like Colin Robinson at that point. He's like, hey, are you going to the restroom? I need to pee too. Um, and, you know, but he basically was just. Ever since my identity was stolen. Yeah. I mean, he's he, he's so totally aware of every little person and where they're sitting and what they're doing. And I, I think I've told this story before, but he used to pride himself on getting in before anyone else. He would be the one to turn the lights on. He would would put the first scoops of Folgers into the coffee maker. When I was 21, I thought that was cool. Yeah. But at 55, I don't think that's very cool. I would, I always took it upon myself. I took that as a challenge. Mm -hmm. So I would start going into work earlier than him to try to get there. And when I would get there, I would make it a point to turn the lights on and make the coffee before he got there. So I'd already be sitting in my cube with <laughs> drinking cube coffee. Love theme, love theme from Dan Benjamin on the PA. Yeah, that's right. And he would get there and it, I mean. He's the, here, he's here earlier than you. The first time that it happened, he was, I mean, I I, I think he was just like a little thrown right. by it. And he's like, of course. oh, do you have something special to do today? I'm like, no, yeah. just on an earlier schedule. Well, no. at least because like, oh, hey, that's my thing. Yeah, I'm the get Bill. here early guy. That's my thing. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, um, all right, neat, neat. You know, and then the next day I did it again. And he showed yeah. up again, surprised. Third day, he was there half an hour at least before I was. And I kept pushing the time until I had him getting there before 6 a.m. <laughs> Pretty soon he's sleeping in his trunk. Yeah. And, and then yeah. I stopped. Of course, I stopped. I couldn't keep doing yeah. that. Right. I don't know. I mean, but I, listen, I, but that is, whole mentality of like, if I, if I'm looking around and that per, that seat is empty, then that person's not working. And I used to talk to my, my friend and uh, pre, previous mentor, they ever stopped being a mentor, my no. mentor, Carl. It's like being a Marine. And Carl and I always, he used to sit there and he used to say, Carl, Carl with a C. Carl with a C. He used to say, yeah, damn okay. it, Dan. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I was inspired to write this code last night at two in the morning and from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I wrote this code and it's done and it works and our project is done, but I've got to sit here today. I've got to sit here. I'm not doing anything. It's done. And yet I have to be here. It has nothing. What we do has nothing to do with the outcome. It has everything to do with we have to be monitored during the process of doing it. And Merlin, you know, as uh-huh. a creative person. Uh, that and I would I would absolutely include a lot of software development and other things like that in in the creative sphere. That creative people don't necessarily get inspired nine a.m. to five p.m. 
that mm-hmm. that people who are expected to be producing something, not the person who's who's checking you out at the, at the you know the grocery store who has to be there for certain hours because that's when the people are there, but for someone who is creating something out <laughs> yeah, of their you, mind, you, you, it does not benefit us for you to be quote unquote inspired to check people out of the market at a time when we are not open. <laughs> right, but if that you're, kind of inspiration we could use less of. But if you're a writer or a designer or a software developer, because I'm mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the technology industry, but if you're outside of it and you're doing something, most jobs that involve a computer or involve something like that don't need to happen 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 5 p.m. They can happen when you're inspired to do the kind of work. And you know what? Right. You might be an excellent software developer and you can write code faster than, uh, than someone else. Maybe what would take someone else three hours to do would only take you an hour and a half to do. And maybe maybe documenting your code takes you twice as long, whatever. But I'm just saying. So, and yours are all so practical. Like everything you're right. describing. I mean, well, just to be clear here, like, because I, I feel like I've gotten, well, I don't even want to say pushback. Like the Overton window used to be quite different for having this discussion in an office setting. Like it would be considered practically like an act of. Uh, You'd be a traitor to mm-hmm. be talking about this kind of stuff in front of other people. Like, nobody, you're not supposed to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be like talking about, like, how often somebody goes to the bathroom. It would just be an odd thing to talk about, which is like, well, isn't it weird that we all get here and leave at the same time? And you're like, uh, hey, doofus, it's called having a job in the 90s. Like, get used to it. So, but, but like, what I like about what you're saying is that, um, that well, everything you're describing here is a, I think, a good counter to that, um, so what's the phrase I'm trying to use? The, the, what, you're, what you're presenting here is, is a good counter to the conventional wisdom of previous times, which are like, hey, come in, you know, get your butt in the seat, get seen. And I'm not saying that's not true. I mean, one of the things I personally worried about, not for, on my own behalf, but I've thought a lot about like thinking about being a young person in a job in the last two years, mm-hmm. especially a woman, especially, say, a woman of color. Imagine being the new hire and a company where you've never met anybody else in the company except through a Zoom call. Like, you don't even have the opportunity to show up early. Like, how do you distinguish yourself, you know, amongst all these people that are already, like, kind of grudgingly doing this thing? I don't know. I think that's that's something that is worth worth thinking about. Um, oh, by the way, I want to correct myself. I, I'm pretty sure I said Dana Stevens, and I meant to say Emily Bazelon. I apologize. Um, I regret the error. Um, but, well, I can wrap this and, th- and throw to you. But, I, you know, I think I might want to talk more about this. Yeah whatever this is, not, not it doesn't have to be today, but I think there's, there's some interesting bits to this. Uh, what was the other thing then that, um, oh yeah. So, so anyway, to, 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 to uh, trampoline off, off your point, well, everything you're saying is very practical, which is like, Hey, look, if you actually want to get the most out of people, I mean, like to me and you, this is not, I mean, I'm not trying to slam you. This is not like super high level stuff. This is like on the face of it, obvious stuff to get the best out of your employees, especially creatively, you can't make, you can't make them like be this Charlie Chaplin, modern times character in order to get the most. But I think, I think you're taking that even further and saying, well, you know, you know, this again, maybe it's the myth of the artist in the garret or whatever, but aha, Eureka, I'm in my bathtub and I invented gravity. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take it to even the next, the next, the next level, in my opinion. And and now now we're up in some rare air here because nobody hires you for expertise when you're 18. Very rarely, unless it's at like hunting rabbits or something. Um, But, but, but a thing does happen. And, and this is sort of the, I don't know, you ever heard that your brain is the size of your two fists? You ever heard that? 
Like make, make not, not, sure not as if to hit a person. I forgot it. Well, it's pretty cool. Do this. You make a fist. Make a fist and another fist. Put them together. That's approximately the size of your brain. But you can also think about uh, the way that things sort of like like bond or adhere. You know, in in nature. I want to adhere to your idea with this. Uh, the you ever heard? Okay, so like let's 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 knock down a couple of the quick like myths or twice told tales. Enrico Fermi or other Italian person. Uh, you know, one dollar to make the mark, ten thousand dollars to know where to put the mark. Right, that story. Yes, remember that one? Yeah, the, the, definitely yeah, it's, apocryphal, it's but a good, one. good, good story though about the idea of, or like another one. You ever heard this one? Oh, we hired this person. He's going to be one of our uh, Benjamin Industries fellows this year. We um, we we pay him ten million dollars to have two good ideas a year, and but those two good ideas make us hundreds of millions of dollars. Again, probably bullshit, but you know, right? Yeah. Th- those kinds of things. But you don't have to be anywhere near that, like. MacArthur Grant level horseshit. Sorry, I'm cursing. I apologize. This is a clean show. But no, but how about this? Yeah, it's great when you're 25 Mm -hmm. and you wake up at two in the morning because you figured out a new way to optimize your code and maybe even be putting down the beginnings of a way to integrate it with other people's code in a way that didn't seem possible yesterday morning. Like for sure, because your brain is so like, my brain was so snappy when I was young as opposed to now. But also another thing that happens, that's really about like Sisyphean rope pushing in some ways, <laughs> just using like all of your will to like, get good at job, where you're just like, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but then as you get older and lazier and weaker, um, I mean, a lot of it becomes about pattern matching. And yes, it's about pattern matching, um, but it's also about getting maybe faster at pattern matching. And no, I'm not talking about the stupid Malcolm Gladwell book. I'm talking about something else. Expertise at a certain point in life becomes about, I almost want to think of like a, a scene from a, um, what are those called? You know, like a wire, a Kung Fu wire movie. Mm. You think about when Samuel L, or Samuel L. Jackson, when um, they're all, there's only one black person to me, apparently, when Larry Fishburne is teaching Keanu Reeves how to do Kung Fu in the simulation, and he's just like little short motions, whoosh, 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 whoosh. And Keanu Reeves is like, then he's like, you know, stop trying to hit me and hit me. Like, bring the amount of effort that you need to to this to, to beat the crap out of me because you know you can. It's just you're stopping yourself from doing that. Right? There is a certain stillness, a certain calmness to people who've been around things for a while. They've survived a lot of stuff. And their pattern matching, I guess what I'm trying to set, to toss out as a potential topic is, at a certain point in one's career, does that sort of pattern matching become the most valuable part of what you do? Well, what do we mean by pattern matching? Well, obviously things like troubleshooting. Like, I, like okay, let's take a real basic example. Uh, well, when we've talked about a lot, um, we discover, oh, why don't we use FedEx? Oh, we don't use FedEx. Ah. And you're like, okay, well, I don't know why you made that noise. I just wanted to get there, you know? And it turns out that somebody who doesn't even work there anymore once had a very negative impression. <laughs> A FedEx, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now you could be the person who always just walks around the office with the, with the with the glasses on a string, going, "We don't use FedEx," <laughs> and you sound like some kind of a really a really wise character. Um, and that's a kind of pattern matching, even though it's mostly a cargo cult. But real pattern matching, I think, is like when you see stuff. And again, I'm thinking a lot about snipers in, in the woods outside Stalingrad, you recognize a pattern before anybody else recognizes a, uh, it's a pattern. Perhaps even the wolf that constitutes the pattern. 
you get so good at seeing stuff at a blank that you you're able to see things coming down the pike and know how to apply maybe even a multivariate response to that in a way that just would not make sense. That when you're 18, as smart as you were and energetic as you were, you might want to just get under the covers. Whereas today, you know, hey, we, we've survived this. We get through this. And I have actually even a way to maybe get us a benefit out of this we didn't see before. Right. I mean, you're talking so like, about bringing that that value of life experience, work experience, and the, the most important... Context yes, also. Yes. And applying that context and being able to say, you know, I've done this eight other times. And now I know that at this point in the process, they're going to ask this question. So I went ahead and already prepared my answer for it. You like know? if you're a sales engineer or something. Yeah. Right? And it makes you seem kind of wise and like a god, but it really is just- it makes you seem like you have a goddamn superpower. You've just screwed it up so many times before or forgotten it or been surprised by it that you don't want to go through that again. And that's the value. That's where the experience comes in is, you know, and I think we see this as parents and, and you see this if you're mentoring- somebody who is younger than you, that you're kind of like watching them kind of go through similar experiences and watching them sure. figure the same things that you had to figure out. out. Right. And, and it's, and you it's find yourself important to let them do sense. that. But it's important to You find to yourself them. defending common sense. Like my kid and I are both addicted to coffee, I think I've mentioned. Mm. And now my kid will be the one who opens a new stoke sometimes. And I, I sound like such an old weirdo. Mm. Because I say things, and I forgive me if I've said this before, but this was a moment that, that felt a little important. Because as with Syracuse, probably as with you, with you know, you end up having not arguments, but your kids are practicing becoming grownups. They're always trying things on, and if they can try things on with you in a safe environment, hey, why not play along? But you know, you play little power games and stuff, and your kid pushes back and goes and stuff like that. And like, they get to rehearse independence, which is always good. They've been doing that their whole life. So that, that's, that's totally fine. But I'll say to my kid something like, hey, could you not get a paring knife and like stab at the little aluminum lid? Could you, could we learn maybe to do that without a paring knife stab, which then leads to you just using your teeth? Uh, there's like three different reasons I would prefer you not do that. I would really, you rather not start thinking of a Walmart paring knife as the way to open coffee. I would really prefer that you not ruin your beautiful teeth, those beautiful chompers, by biting down on aluminum to get to coffee. But also, I want you to learn and get ready for your uh, motorcycle maintenance reference here, right? Okay, I'm ready. I want you to learn to do this properly. The proper way to do this. I said, what are you talking about? The proper way to open coffee? And I said, I know that sounds crazy. Oh, that's where I'm you hold it. You hold it with your left hand and you you turn it with your right hand, but you have to do it over the recycle bin. Yes, and then you put the put the. Oh, there it is. No, that I the hear. Bitch, yeah, the bitch is back. Um, but but Man, you what, got is some prop, what is proper? What is proper? Neighbors mean? over there. I'll tell you what. Proper is do, yeah, they're hitting the skins. Um, are you having trouble trouble slumbering, Colin Robinson? Um, <laughs> that is the war cry of the tall leader, Sheldon. Oh, you do him really well. That's a uh, put that down. On, I know you've been keeping a list oh, of on my LinkedIn? impressions my LinkedIn? that I like that you do, uh, and so that would be the the second one that I like. Oh my god! After oh, the elf. The first, do you remember the first one? Oh, library of hell. Yeah, the library elf. A library elf hey, slash you library elf. What's going on? Oh, very good. I just want to let you know your book is ready. Oh, thank you. Could I could can I keep well, it an extra week? Well, you need to drop off the other one. It's overdue. Bye bye, library elf. 
Um, which is also Heidi he's from, so cute. Um, I imagine he's he so looks, little, he's very little. He looks like the fig guy for hanking for a hunk of cheese, that guy, but cuter. Oh, yeah, Slapper Slicer Chunk guy? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cuter than uh-huh, that, uh-huh. though. That's our gotta be cuter, our cover Cuter, you get a chicken art. piece, you know, you get some protein. <laughs> Sponsored by Big Protein. That guy was very upsetting. And a little bit anti-Semitic, if I'm being and honest. And what about the munchies guy? That was that the same know. guy? You have the munchies? The, I don't remember. Oh, I don't know about that. Time That's for different timer. from the guy... Oh, wait, say that again. Time again. for Timer. That guy. Whoa. Yeah, that's a Saturday morning ABC yeah. thing, wasn't it? Hanker for a hunk of cheese, but I thought that he did the the munchies one. Here, eat this. Here, eat that. That one? How politically I incorrect I'll try, I'll try to find that, that one was. This is so strange. Mr. Al, what how we many had in the 70s. One, two, three. Yeah, classic. <laughs> classic. Three. Plastic. Uh, I have more smart things to say, but we should wrap this part up soon. What was I gonna? How was I gonna crescendo this home? Um, I think it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something I very rarely do. You know, there's a handful of things I pretty rarely do. Um, I'm gonna I'll, I'll see if I can find. Uh, I, I imagine this is still on Vimeo. I will put a link to uh, something that at the time was considered sort of an odd video I did called uh, I think it was called Make Believe. What's it called? Something like, oh, make believe butchers, old old butchers. It's a video I made, um, basically making fun of Life Hacker, but in which I was trying to like talk about what I perceive as the elusive nature of expertise. That like it's expertise is not a class you can take. Procrastination is not a class you can take. And when people say procrastination, I mean it's like you know when people say they're you know eating yogurt for breast cancer. Well, I mean I hope you're eating yogurt against breast cancer. Or in this instance, I hope you're if you're taking class on expertise, boy, that person better be really smart. Like even even by regular teaching standards, let alone expertise standards, because expertise. See me doing this thing with Jeff. Oh, oh, I'm doing like a Jeff Goldblum thing. Ah, oh, with my fingers. Do you see this? I see. Ah, oh, you see me doing this, Dan? <laughs> yes. You see me? Ah, oh, oh, it's ineffable, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. It's very difficult. Ah, oh, it's very, it's hard to put your, oh, hard to put a finger on. It's hard, hard to get a finger on that. Oh my, God. my name is Alan. Welcome to the Knot Store. Uh, I will put that in notes. Mm, really hitting the skins. Um, because expertise comes out of that, that, that motley, impossible, uh, irreproducible, the irreproducible life that you've had, like where you accidentally got good at seven different small things and somehow, do you know what I'm saying though? Like you, you, you could basically go train the same soldier or the same Boy Scout or Girl Scout or whatever. You could basically go train a, a mostly identical person. But to, to quote the director of admissions at my college, we don't want a well-rounded student. We want a well-rounded class. Like how do you bring in the members of the super team? If everybody on the X-Men was towed, it would suck. Like, we need to have some diversity to this. And some of the ex- expertise you end up bringing in could be people who are this particular X-Men character over here, very cool in almost every situation, uh, maintains a sense of humor, never gets too heavy, never gets too weird, has a work-life balance. So it's somebody that we can trust. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I'm going to post that video because I think it's really good. One of the things I think I'm doing such a good job of focusing, given that my yeah, entire I was going to say it's like uh, what's shaking. his name, the, uh, the drill sergeant uh, in um, you Sergeant know, Full Metal Jacket, Gunner getting sergeant. the orange yeah. thrown at him while he's doing the thing. Gunner Sergeant Hartman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I think part of the, I'm get, get ready because I'm almost done. Um, one thing about expertise that I think makes it especially difficult, uh, uh, paradoxical, even, and I talked about this. The whole purpose in that video was talking about 
the old butcher, right? The whole the the the, the hook, if you like, for that long weird improvised video is the old butcher. Well, who's the old butcher? The old young butcher comes in and like has to learn how to how to how to how to weigh roast beef first of all, right? They didn't know how to weigh it. Like keeps accidentally weighing a cat or something. You're like, no, 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 no cat, just roast beef. But then eventually this person notices that the very, very old feeble fella in the back, he seems to have an uncanny ability to know how much roast beef is on the scale without even looking, where he can just hold it in his hand and can know that that's exactly a quarter of a pound, right? And so the young butcher says to the old butcher, how do you know that's a quarter of a pound? And he says, I don't know, I just do. And the young guy says, okay, what's the trick? What is the trick to being able to, to know that that's a quarter of a pound? And he says, the trick is be a butcher for 40 years. Right. <laughs> you can't, you, I mean, there's certainly heuristics. Oh, guess what? Why don't, we, why don't we do this? How about we rebrand heuristics as tips and tricks and try to vend that to people as a way to become an expert at something? <laughs> Rather than saying, go be abused as a busboy for two years in my case. <laughs> Not that I'm recommending that, but like you learn a lot about how to protect your neck. You learn a lot about how to learn. You learn a lot about how to fill in in a pinch. You learn a lot about what you're capable of. And you don't do that. That doesn't always happen when everything goes great. We don't get to pick what we want to have sex with. We don't get to pick what we're good at. Like, sometimes we end up being good at something that we never would have anticipated, expected, or planned for. And I think that's fascinating. I'd like to come back to talking about this. The Bang Bang Machine is, is going great guns. Check out uh, Slate uh, Political Gab Fest, all the great shows. Give them your money. Uh, they're, 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 uh, they're, they're good people and thorough. <laughs> David Thewlis. I always forget he's in the movie. Let me tell you about someone I like. Which one are you? The middle one. Um, let me go look. Let me see if I know what this is. I think I know what this is. Let me go look. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, it's a great it, one. Is this, is this related to a place where we recorded one time? Yes, it is. It's related to a place my friend Lance... Lance workout? Yeah, I think Lance. Lance, was there. Lance, yeah. Lance. If you remember the story at French Laundry with the with the with the wine, yeah. that was with Lance. That was him. Also, you know what? If anybody there, you know uh, the glass they gave me, the little pint glass broke a long time ago, probably a few weeks after I'd visited there, and that's why I want to talk about digga 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 new relic. Okay. So New Relic, you know, we did record there. They hired me a number of years ago to build their podcast and recording studio. And so I went to San fancy San Francisco as we used to call it. And I built it there for them. And we had a great time because they let you come in and we recorded there. And I remember when I, when I was like, why don't you come in and record? Like, I think I, you know, it's, it's like a voyage. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, it is a major effort for me. It's going, it's like a two hour saga of travel for me to get. When you're like near Moscone. Yes. Yeah, because that's the thing. And it wasn't in Jason Snell territory. Yeah. When you texted me that you were leaving, it was like a good 90 minutes before you got out. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. No, it's three different journeys, Dan. God. There's getting out of my adorable little pocket sized neighborhood, there's mm -hmm. getting through. Uh, over Twin Peaks and through the central neighborhoods. That's long before you ever get to Howard Street. Howard Street is basically like a graduate degree in traffic. New relic. <laughs> so I met, I met the Do founder. You know, you know like what a bargain you get with this? Do you understand what a bargain you get? Me, me coming in here and, and just and, and literally dropping this gold every oh, single I week. I know, every week. I Clockwork. met the founder of New Relic. Mr. Relic. Mr. Relic. And he was sitting at a little folding table outside of a tiny little meaningless uh, Ruby conference that happened in Orlando that I was giving a keynote at. They should give that a better name. 
and I walked out of the meaningless Ruby conference of Orlando is not a good name of the thing after I'd given the keynote, dropped a huge keynote. I just going to mention that. And he is sitting out there and I'm like, Hey, tell me what, what y'all do. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, yeah. we have a company that, um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help, you know, rails developers, but, but really other platforms as well, really get insight into where they're having not just errors or running into bugs in their application, but into the performance of the application so it can perform better, so it can be faster. So if you've got a slow SQL query, we can surface that for you. Or if there's some other problem that's happening in your code, uh, we can help you find that out. So not only are we going to tell you, oh, the this, this server has a problem or the code isn't deployed right or there's an error over here, but we're going to give you insight into those issues. But also when you think your app is perfectly happy and running great, Guess what? You're spending three times more than you should be spending on server infrastructure. If you just tuned these things, you would need much less powerful servers and you you, you could save money every month. So that's the kind of stuff that, that they set out to do. And man, have they done it? They have now over 16 different monitoring products integrated into one platform. So an engineering team can get in there. They can see across their entire software stack and you can see it in one place. You have no idea how nice that is. To be able to say, you know what, we've got eight web servers in this cluster. We've got these database servers. We've got these work servers in the background. We've got Kubernetes over here. We've got Redis over here. And how are we going to keep track of all this stuff? New Relic's going to do that for you. You're going to be able to pinpoint They're teaching issues. you what to pay attention to, Dan. Can I just say that this is an adjunct to the whole idea of expertise? Right. Like, like, I, like, like I, I knew that there was something in the domain of time versus uh, 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 objectives, right? But I know I didn't have a name for that. Now, in this case, New Relic, they're telling you what to pay attention to, and then they're paying attention to it for you, if I could say. I like that. You know what? We should give them that. We can let them We have. should. I still, I still owe them a call. And, you know, don't be cheap about it. Send me a new glass, bastards. But, but the magic is that you can pinpoint issues down to the specific line of code. They understand Ooh. the code. They can tie into... You know, into things like GitHub, and they'll show because I know you're on the GitHub kick. They can tie yeah. into that, and they can actually show you like this is the line, this is the SQL query, and here's what you should reconsider. Uh, but you know what? The the dev and ops teams at places like GitHub itself, DoorDash, Epic Games, there are fourteen thousand companies, including mine, that use New Relic to debug and improve their software. So whether you're a, like one of these fancy pants cloud native startups or some you know, rickety old Fortune 500 company. It just takes five minutes to get this set up. It may make it so easy to integrate. You start getting real usable data instantaneously. As soon as you plug this thing in, right away, you look at the page. It's like data's already flowing in. It's amazing. And that's the whole thing is people who run servers and run software applications, you, you don't want that late night call. You don't want to find out that the thing is crashed in the middle of the night. You just want to sleep. Mm -hmm. These guys help mm -hmm. you sleep. You can get access to a whole new Relic platform, 100 gigabytes of data free forever, and you don't even need to give a credit card. It's amazing. You go to newrelic.com slash back to work, and that's spelled N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C, newrelic.com slash back to work. Go there again, special deal just for our listeners. You get access to the whole platform and 100 gigs of data free forever. So uh, thanks very much, New Relic, for making this episode possible. Merlin Xavier, man. I feel like we just basically handed them an entire media They've got, and yeah. business strategy. Yeah, they don't need the VC money anymore, whatever. They're publicly traded. They can buy their stock back 
and be a completely cell phone. Do, do me a favor. Now. Send me send me that invoice. I'm gonna scrawl on it with a sharpie and resend it in a very angry way. <laughs> Make believe help old butchers and figuring out who you are for now. Twelve years. So I've got ago. I've got uh, I've got a recommendation, and then I want to talk to you about years task ago. paper. Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Is that when we started? No, this is me. Oh. Um, I also watched your Eddie Van Halen thing. That guy's amazing. Oh, isn't that great? You just listen to little harmonics for the melody at the end of that thing? Mm. Yeah, to, to, I'm going to quote a joke from Mr. Show where David Cross says something, or their anti-hippie episode, where he says, oh, yeah, I like to charge my friends $30 to listen to me dick around on guitar for an hour. Um, but, you know, the truth is I would, I would pay to watch the late Eddie Van Halen dick around on guitar. Wait, the late Eddie Van Halen around, or Eddie Van Halen when he was alive? Didn't he die? Yeah, he, he died, die? but would you rather watch him like now or when he was I mean, alive? I have to warm up. <clears throat> Tell me um, what you're thinking about. You want you got a recommendation and a task paper. I'm I'm so late to this entire thing, but I okay. I've finally been watching the Marvel shows on the the Disney Plus. Oh, okay. And I watched cool. and finished Loki, which was fun. And mm-hmm. uh, you said you stopped in the supermarket part. Uh, yeah, I, I would encourage it, you to keep going. It's it's an entertaining ride. Oh no, I no. Listen, this is this is okay. You know what? It's going on the list. This okay. is going on the list of yeah, things that I mean, need a name. I list. didn't stop. Well, I didn't stop watching it for a reason. Hmm. It's just you know, there's TV in life. There's other stuff, but I loved it. Especially, I know I was just about to get up to the Richard E. Grant one. Hmm. I think I was pretty near, and I love that guy. Um, you know, the with Nell and I yep. guy. Yep. Uh, and I just think Owen Wilson is, I, I enjoy Owen Wilson. I, I mean, too. I still sometimes I like just think more about, than I used to. Yeah. It's odd. Like we just watched, as I say, Mr. Fox and he's the, the yeah. whack, the whack bat coach, you know, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me they don't have whack bat where you are. Hot box. Divide that by nine, please. Um, I, but I also love him. God, I love him in everything. I love him in Royal Tenenbaums. Um, but also, uh, I thought he was so interesting in Loki and like a slightly different sort of role for yeah, him. Yeah, he still called upon the things that make Owen Wilson Owen Wilson, but it is a very different kind of a role. And I really, <laughs> it really wasn't like Zoolander, that. but that <laughs> Maybe is Maybe his greatest role. <laughs> but that is not my recommendation. My yeah, recommendation Loki. is something I'm even later to, which is WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've been watching this with my boy and. We're just having the best time watching this thing. I knew going into it, and as as most people did, that like this is this is something bigger is happening here. And we finally watched the episode where things are explained, and it just brought it next level. It's so good, really, really, it's a really it. weird show. Really enjoying that show. Um, I'm so. on the Brady. I'm still on the Brady Bunch era. Oh, that doesn't last long. Yeah. Well, it's when she has the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll, you'll 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 you're about to turn the corner. I love the ambition of that show. You know, it's, great. it's like, hey, take I, take those big swings. That's okay with me. It's almost like t- TV is Marvel's playground now, where they can mm, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, Charlie Hunnam. Well, is the stakes a the stakes are so different. Mm, so good. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, the stakes are so different. I mean, it's if you've got a four. I mean, like it, I think it's become somewhat understandably somewhat fashionable to bag on Marvel for their their hit machine and how like we all love it but we're sick of it but we love it but we're sick of it we love Spider-Man but we're sick of Spider-Man blah 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 blah, blah all that kind of stuff yeah um, but I think if you've got to produce a multi-billion dollar or you know I mean isn't Spider-Man the new Spider-Man latest Spider-Man like pretty close to like a billion dollars right now yeah like 
if you need to make a four quadrant hit, it's like the first time I heard that Michael Jackson's album, I want to say bad, uh, had not exceeded expectations. And it seems so strange. This is another one of those concepts, right? Of like, oh my God, wait a minute. So, so wait, it, it, this is the, this album is all I've heard about for like six weeks. How is it not a huge hit? It's number one. It's just, the problem is, like they say with stock, you know, there's a lot of that's baked into the price. And if you think about what it costs to produce market and basically to sell an album at that level, at like a Taylor Swift or Michael Jackson level, right? Yeah. It's like, you need to do really, really well. Like better than like, hey, my aunt has heard of this. Like <laughs> this needs to be, to break through. Like you get something like that Tom Holland, latest uh, Spider-Man. Well, yeah, that's great. That exceeded expectations. Everybody's happy. But it's so difficult. You really, you can't help but start playing it safer. Looking at you, Star Wars. Like, you know, you you end up making decisions where you get rid of the good guy and you bring JJ back in. You're like, oh, geez, that's such a bummer. This, I really want, but in that instance, Dan, isn't the same true? Like, in this case, Taika Waititi or, not Taika Waititi in that case, but like, oh, you know, uh, Dave Fatone, is that the guy that does Mandalorian? The way Syracuse put it was, like, all the people our age, or maybe a little younger, but people who grew up with Star Wars now get to make their Star Wars. Right. And those Star Wars tend to be fairly interesting or at least ambitious as opposed to, you know, the Star Wars guy making more of what he thinks of as his Star Wars, not to bag on the fella, but TV is a playground for that. Man- Mandalorian, which I think is a terrific show. I didn't watch the other one. People seem not to like it. But t- TV's a playground. I was so goddamn mad when I put on Hawkeye S1E1 because there was so much playing off of the iconography of the Fraction and AHA comic. Mm. And I was just, I was sitting there watching. I love Haley Steinfeld. I do not like Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Have you seen Hawkeye S21? No, that's on the list though. But there's a, there's a scene where, you know, she, Kate's an archer. And, um. Thanks for ruining the show for me. Yeah. But she's doing a stunt basically to like impress her friends an archery stunt and i you know if memory serves you liked hawkeye mm-hmm. there's a very prominent phrase in hawkeye that begins if not on the first panel like at the very beginning and he has a famous sort of not a catchphrase exactly but a way to join clint in media res whatever he's doing it's often very funny when clint is in a terrible situation like falling backwards off a building and he says this looks bad <laughs> Okay, so now Haley Steinfeld has just, it's not her fault. I love her. She's so great in True Grit. She's so great in Pitch Perfect. She's so great in everything. She's doing her archery stunt, and it goes poorly. I can't even remember what she said but exactly, but it was almost anything in the world except this looks bad. I think she, the character might have said, this is bad. And I went, are you kidding me? Are you deliberately screwing with me to deliberately get the line wrong that specifically you know what i'm talking about no i, and mean, I was like yeah i know what i know the scenario but you know I what i speak of though this yes. is bad clint's falling backwards he's got all his different arrow tips i was so goddamn mad watching that show but then i you know what i gotta be honest i turned it off i was so goddamn mad i came back i watched it again and you know what i enjoyed it i was able to take my personality and my genitals out of the discussion uh-huh. and just watch it for what it was rather than what i wished it were and i really enjoyed it god damn it is it noon now yeah do you, do you super really actually have to go now? No, I really do, a, but I am. Um, I, I, we got to. Uh-huh. I've got to ask you about this task paper thing. I have to make it happen in this episode. It has to be this episode. I can't wait another week. All right. All right. So here's the thing. I feel bad now. When I first, years and years ago, 
Yeah. I tried this task paper thing when it was brand new and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, this looks like a text editor where you put a dash in and it's, it makes it into a bulleted list. Cool. I don't mm. do a lot of stuff with Markdown. I'm not previewing in Markdown. I'm not writing in Markdown. I don't use Markdown. I'm just taking notes. I'm making notes. I have lots of lists. And I thought after you were talking about and, and really praising Task Paper, I thought, you know, it's time for me to revisit it. So I did. Mm. And it's been great. It was when I first used it years ago, it was a little more than an editor that had some extra You get features. what it could be good for, right? But now- You get that, like, you could just dive in, right? Yeah, and I really like how you're able to just by typing stuff, you can create pro little projects that'll save your searches. Mm -hmm. You got the tags, you can have different documents for different things. It's all really cool. It's really simple. I like it. It makes sense. No wonder you like it. And so but, I've been enjoying using it. And of course, after I actually invest time in it, start doing stuff with it, then, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not in front of the computer and I realize, oh, oh, I got to add uh, something yeah. to one of these things. What am I going to do? And so you know, I'll I, just pull up the iPad app, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got my phone on me. And so I, you know, I, I pull out my my uh, tool that I use to edit all text files, which is one writer, one writer, mm -hmm. one writer, one writer. And uh, of course, one writer allows me to browse into the task paper folder. Uh, mm -hmm. But instead of being able to edit the files, I see a dot task paper file and it has a little question grayed mark out. and it's great. Yeah, out. yeah. Ditto, ditto with Ulysses. Ulysses, which had a beautiful revision update this week. Yeah, it, it doesn't even, it does not and get the content. It's just text. It's all it's about just markdown. a text file and that's what's irritating. Right. But it doesn't have the syntax support to do anything with it. It would just, it would just be confused. Yes. It's going to think that, in fact, it could be worse than nothing. If it does nothing, that's okay. The problem is if I open, a, if I drop a, a, a big, blob of task paper stuff into Ulysses, mm -hmm. it looks like it understood it, but it didn't. Because mm. it knew enough to know that those dashes, in this case, should be uh, uh, a UL. So it knows to uh, visually, not not physically, but visually indent it and stuff like that. Yeah, no, you've run straight up against the most frustrating part, which then, like I said to you, the very first question I think you had about this outside of school what are you using for, you know, using that task mater? Yep. And I was like, no, I'm still using editorial like a monster. Well, and, and that when I Google, I'm going to figure, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. When I Googled this stuff, editorial Ooh. seems to be the thing that gets recommended most. <laughs> uh, for, On five-year-old results. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, but there's nothing recent. There's nothing recent from that. And, and I, well, yeah. what's uh, what yeah. app? So uh, let me just basically say, what app should I be using? And you know what? I, I don't even care what kind of abilities this app has. I just want to be able to get to that file and type something in it, even if it well, means okay, later let me, when I get back I'm to gonna, the I know you got to go, so I'm going to make this as quick as I conceivably can. If I, if I could wave a magic wand right now, mm -hmm. given a world where I want to continue to use task paper, the easiest thing in the world would be for me to be all in on drafts mm -hmm. for task paper for a variety of reasons. First of all, it's the best. Does oh. it not let you open them either? I didn't even no, try drafts, and I have that. It I does, have the, like, but it does iCloud syncing. This is no. This is the ultimate in like embarrassing technical debt. Is that like my primary use? And I need everybody to understand this. And and Greg, please never change anything to accommodate me. I'm so broken inside. Thank you, Greg. Um, <laughs> here's what you need to know about me. Um, I'm a hugger. Okay, and then the second thing to know about me is my main use of task paper in every conceivable way, most hours in a day, most functional stuff, is sitting here exactly where I am right now with my butt in this chair in front of a Mac with a big screen using the task paper app by Hogbay software on a Mac. 
Now, I can go and make edits in other places, but far and away, like that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. That, that's what I use to figure out what my stupid job is in a given day or week, right? You, you, can, you can appreciate that. Well, what does that mean then in terms of, well, because of the implication, <laughs> as Dennis would say. Well, the implication, the problem is that like if, if, I, if you accept that the way I use this the most is on a Mac in a seat, whether you like that or not, well, that means everything else has to come second. So in order for me to have it so boring, in order for me to have a document that I can open on my Mac in this way and have it work, like it's going to have to be on something like Dropbox or iCloud, right? That's the most important thing. The problem is if I'm on an iPad, like what am I going to open? I, I mean, I think, I don't even, I, I would have to go check. I don't even know if you can do task paper on iCloud. I imagine you can. But every time I've looked at how to fix this, like I say, if I could start over, I would do it all on Drafts because not only is Drafts the best app, people like Rosemary Orchard, people like Thought Asylum have made these entire, I want to say, you could correct me, platforms inside of Drafts. So if I were fully committed to Drafts for using for all of the things, I would do that. Um, the task paper problem is there. The other problem is I do continue to use Dropbox to house almost 3,000 text files, and I don't necessarily want all of that in drafts. Yeah. But I need to figure that out. Do you want to throw it to the uh, to the kids? See what yeah, they say. Yeah, I definitely would. And you know, and if the answer what is- should Dan be using on uh, sure on Mac? Let us know what you think. But uh, I'm going to say what iPhone probably mostly like mostly what, iPhone on iPhone. Most what iPhone. should and you're open to having more or less of the uh, test paper functionality. How would you edit a text file is the question. This was huge a few years ago. There was a t recent time between the age of note-taking apps and the age of like bespoke writing apps where code coding apps like Code Writer maybe. Remember there was just this suddenly this wave of really interesting apps for uh, basically doing script encoding, text editing um, on iOS. And I know that's still around, but I don't think it's there's quite as much wood behind that arrow mm -hmm. as there was. You can edit it lots of ways. You just don't get the functionality of you know of things like smart lists and you know all those things. Well, when I uh, would you like to sorry when when I, when I open the task paper file in a yeah. text editor on the Mac, and it does save it. You're correct. It saves it to iCloud. The files are saving to a folder in iCloud. When I open that, just locally, in another editor like um, like VS Code, mm -hmm. it's just a text file, and that's the beauty of VS Code. Will work thing. fine. That all of the as long as you set up your extension settings, it'll recognize all of those different yeah. test papers yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, embedded. Yeah, and so I, I can edit it there if I wanted. It's only in Task Paper app itself where <laughs> I get those special features where it turns things into projects and other things like that. Key commands. Key commands, key all commands. of that stuff yeah. is there. But what I'm saying is when I'm on the go, if I just think of something I want to add to a list, <clears throat> then I want to be able to do that in a text editor. Because here's what I'm saying. If I can open that plain text file in a plain text editor on my Mac, I should be able to open that plain text file in a text editor on my iPhone. And that's can, what I would like yeah. to do. What app do I use to do that? How do I access it? Tell me. Well, something something like editorial, but more recent. What was the, what was the one I mentioned? Like Code Writer or something? You know what? You got to go. Hey, everybody, tell us what to do. Please remember to like and subscribe. You got to hit that bell. I'm not trying to be short, but I feel bad uh, that I made uh, Dan go long. It's all right. Hmm.
He's mm. got a heart out, mm. and I made him go mm. long. Mm. Um, you've been here for uh, for week three of the Bang Bang Machine. It um, seems gone it's now. Com- it seems comedy like it's jabs gone and J. Well, it's going to be over two years, and these guys, I think, they like to take their time. So they might be getting a, going to Subway or something, you know. Um, so uh, in the future, we'll talk more about test paper, and we'll maybe talk more about expertise. You can check out show notes for this episode at uh, uh, backtowork.limo, I think. Um, and Dan, thank you very much for, for suffering me. Um, I hope you don't die from water. No, it's fine. I'm drinking it. You just drink it. You don't care. Because they said it, they, they, it's a false oh, alarm. There's nothing wrong with it. False, false alarm, nothing wrong with it. It's like, okay, okay. remember in Close Encounters, Ooh. the third kind when they're driving yes. around, they get the birds, the birds start dying, and, and then, um, yes. what's his name, pulls oh, the mask remember. off, and he's like, it's fine, it's fine. And then mm-hmm. there were still people sitting in the van like, I'm not taking it off. I like the guy with the sign that says, be friendly. Remember that? When yes. Get the, that was the, that was I, the whole I, way people felt. Movie. Save the whales, man. Yeah, I gotta watch it. Save the whales. Save the Star whales. Trek. Go to Monterey. <laughs> not, not that movie. God. Computer. Hey, uh, hey! Uh, I saw, ooh. I saw Dean. I saw Dean. Oh, whoa! Oh, terrible I saw, movie. I saw. I, whoa! I saw Dean Stockwell at the uh, Monterey Aquarium in 1997. Why would the whales go into space? It makes no sense. Space because whales. it's you know because of amb- uh, space amb- whales. Ambergris. <laughs> uh, but the point is, thank you, everybody. You know, most of all to you, the customer. Mm. Uh, we appreciate you being here. I'm born in the projects, roaches and rats. And now we're going to part for a time and we'll be back. The Bang Bang Machine will probably be back. If I'm forgetting anything, I'm sorry. You can find show notes for this. Our thanks to New Relic. I wish those bastards. I gave them a whole marketing plan. Me and Dan sent us two glasses. Don't, don't be dicks about was it. Was it a Stein or a mug? Or? No, no. It's more like a Witz or a, or a Berg. Okay. Um, Stein. Okay, um, when Ben, when, uh, when Ben mugs money. Um, so, you know, now it's time to part, mm. and uh, let's button this up. Okay. Okay, I love, love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.